0: After
1: cool. Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education. And I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Today's episode of the Making After School Cool podcast centers on the positive influence a role model can have on youth According to Dr. Marilyn Price Mitchell, by the time children become adolescents, they should be able to separate the positive and negative behaviors of the people they admire. Dr. Price Mitchell has conducted a research study, which consisted of interviewing college students to determine how young people develop the skills, abilities, and motivation to become engaged citizens. Her study showed that being a role model is not constrained to those with fancy titles or personal wealth. Role models come into young people's lives in a variety of ways. They are educators, civic leaders, parents, clergy, peers, and ordinary people encountered in everyday life. In fact, students were quick to state that a true role model is not the person with the best job title, the most responsibility, or the greatest fame to his or her name. Anyone can inspire a child to achieve their potential in life. So today I have the honor of highlighting and speaking with Juliet Stipech, a true role model for countless people in the Houston area. A little background about Juliet. In 2010, she wished to serve her community and support public education and was elected to the Houston Independent School District's Board of Education as the trustee of District 8. During her tenure, she served as chairperson of HISD's audit committee for three years, pushed for administrative and educational reform, and was elected by her peers to serve as the board president in 2013. Julia joined Rice University as the associate director for the Richard Tapia Center for Excellence and Equity. In 2016, Mayor Sylvester Turner selected Juliet to serve as the director of education for the Mayor's Office of Education. She developed a new office focused on educational equity and opportunity for all ages in Houston by promoting citywide collaboration communication, and coordination. Juliet worked on education and workforce issues from cradle to career and developed citywide programs from Hire Houston youth to Be Well, Be Connected. She currently serves as Director of Human Services, leading Gulf Coast Workforce Solutions and the Houston-Galveston Area Council on Aging and Aging and Disability Resource Center programs. Juliette has a long and distinguished history of developing creative programs and collaboration to support educational and workforce efforts for her community. So today I have the honor of highlighting and speaking with Juliette Stepech, a true role model for countless of people in the Houston area. Juliette, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with me today. How are things going?
0: Well, thank you.
1: Now, recently I had the pleasure of hearing you share your story as the daughter of immigrant parents from Argentina and Mexico. How has that experience helped shape you to become the person you are today?
0: Well, I I feel so blessed to have parents uh you know from uh Mexico and Argentina. They came to this country in search of opportunity and um they just had a they took that risk of of leaving behind their their family, their uh culture, their uh you know, everything to come and and start a new life here. And so each one of them had experienced a lot of, of trauma and issues um, at home. And, and so this country offered a, a new opportunity to uh, begin anew. And uh, while it was super challenging, they really set the stage for my sister and I to have many different opportunities that we probably wouldn't have had had it not been for being here in the United States.
1: I know education and educational related issues are a major part of your life. What would you say created your desire to serve the Houston community and support public education?
0: You know, go back to my parents. As I said, you know, they did not have the, well, my mother didn't have the opportunity to finish elementary school. And on the other hand, my father, um, he was able to get a a scholarship and uh, go to a military academy in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And so he he came from a family where um you know he was orphaned by the time he was starting high school. And were it not for that opportunity, God knows what would have happened, right? And so his siblings assisted him, you know, because they were all orphaned, but at least he had an older sister who was several she was at least like 15 years older than him and she was already working and provided support and paid for a tutor and he made the third highest score in his region and that's how he was able to get the scholarship to leave this tiny little town in the north of Argentina and go to Buenos Aires. And so I tell folks, um, my parents always told us that education was absolutely critical and important and transformative and, and that opportunity that it presented to me. I wanna be able to support the system and see how we can get additional doors open for others in our community. And so my passion uh, for education is driven from the tremendous opportunities that it offered me and seeing what we can do to be able to empower and and transform and assist um, other uh, students and young people in our community.
1: Now, in my opinion, serving on a school board is a very daunting task. Can you highlight some of the accomplishments you've achieved while serving on the HISD board?
0: You know first michael thanks for um allowing the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, the houston independent school district board of education and serving on a board of trustees a lot of times people in the community are totally unfamiliar with what a school board does and it is one of the most um, important impactful positions for people in terms of everyday activity, what's happening, setting the, the schedule for the school year, uh, making sure that the, the teachers, the support staff, the bus drivers, the the uh, folks that make sure that the um, lawn is mowed and the flowers are tended to at these school facilities, you know, the, the school board is responsible for handling the budget, policy, and um, also reviewing the superintendent. And so it is, for instance, the Houston Independent School District is the largest school district in the state of Texas, the seventh largest in the nation, and so we need folks to participate and be active and involved and in, and in knowing what the school board does. So while I was on the school board, you know, I was extraordinarily proud um, being able to serve. Um, but I think that I really enjoyed um, trying to uh, strengthen the audit committee. So that way we could have a, a better way of examining the how we were expending our dollars and the processes and internal controls that we had in place uh, to assist with uh, our fiduciary responsibility and handling the budget and other matters. Um, I also loved working with uh, the schools individually in terms of getting to know what was happening at the unique campuses that existed in my district. Um, I had an opportunity to work with... So many different principals and dynamic schools. Um, I was especially proud of, of you know, Fur High School had the Green Ambassadors Program and was able to receive the XQ Grant Award as one of the most innovative um, high schools in the country. Um, they received a large multi-million dollar grant to continue this really community-driven philosophy of. of enhancing the environment, building uh, community gardens, um, helping with riparian rescue, just really beautiful, strong, um, environmental justice um, opportunities for the students and the teachers and the staff. They also won one of the, there's only three national awards provided by the USDA. And there's one called the Abraham Lincoln Award for excellence and, and I think it's like environmental community justice type issues, and the students that fur won that award. And I was just so proud of them. And so, you know, I felt uh, it was important for me to learn from the community, to support uh, great efforts um, and to ensure that I was able to serve as a voice understanding what was happening at the community. And um it was a it was a wonderful um, experience. There were some moments that were extraordinarily painful as well, but I am deeply grateful, uh, for those five years on the school board.
1: Well, uh, I want to applaud you for that service because I've worked in a school district. I've attended school board meetings and, you know, these are people who have, a lot of them have family, have other jobs, and then they invest so much time and energy to support the students in the districts that live in the community where they live. Yes. And so I always applaud people who, uh, Uh, volunteer to serve on the board.
0: There's one, one last thing that I wanted to mention in relation to the HISD school board. While I was there, there was a group of young people that wanted to create the Houston Independent School District Student Congress. And I remember initially meeting with the core founding members of that organization, and they had talked to several different leaders from Dr. Steven Kleinberg to Commissioner Adrian Garcia and me and others. And by the time they listened to all of us, you know give provide our input, they realized they were like, we need to make this a broad opportunity for students across the school district to get to know each other and our issues. And it and they became and when they started to do that, the students became much more understanding of the equity and inequity issues happening in the district. They would come to the school board meetings, they would talk to the school board members um when the um several school districts sued to try to get uh the state to provide more money to school finance of the state of Texas they wrote an amicus brief in support of additional funding for public education it received national attention they did it entirely on their own i was able to provide them with a little bit of input in terms of what it meant to file a brief but i they And they consulted with some other, but literally they did everything on their own. And so I tell folks, the lesson that I walked away from serving on the school board was we have to ensure that we provide students and young people that opportunity to have a voice and to participate because things become much better when we have the young people involved in the process. I'd always would tell them I'm a dinosaur. You know, I I can try to relive what ex, what I experienced back right. in the 90s when I was in the 80s and 90s when I was in school, but we need your input, your voice, your understanding, so that way we can make things much better, welcoming, inclusive, and much more uh, responsive to the current modern needs.
1: So Yeah, that is awesome because I think when young people do have the opportunity and the confidence and the backing to where they can express their own issues, then that's empowering, and that definitely is a real-life educational experience that I think helps kids to raise the standards on what they believe they can be when they become adults.
0: Yes, and and the thing is, it's like those students made a difference. They truly learned the power of coming together, presenting their case, and seeing results. The same thing with the other Green Ambassadors program students with their hands, with their minds, with their aggregate, they were able to plant seeds, change their environment, increase their understanding of the world around them, and educate others in the process. One young man said before this program, one of the only role models I had in my community was uh, a drug dealer. And he said that, and now in retrospect, he. This opportunity opened an entire world to him. He was one of the young men that went to Washington DC to um, accept the award. I believe he went to go and work for a congressperson as well while he was in college. He was an amazing young man that said that he was now going to, that the program also was influencing his his younger siblings and he was taking his younger brother to go uh, plant fruit trees and uh, assist in the program as well those types of opportunities it's it allows a young person to increase their social capital their networks their relationships life's all about who you know and where you are and you know i had commissioner julian alvarez said at a recent event your net worth is measured by your net work and the earlier we can increase a young person's network, the better it is for everyone.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that story because you're you're so correct. And I think a lot of young people, their world is the silo. And so giving young people the opportunity to expand the their world definitely changes their uh, outlook, which is a great segue to my next question. Uh, I know in 2016, Mayor Sylvester Turner selected you to serve as the Director of Education for the Mayor's Office of Education which at the time was a new position and office within the mayor's administration. What were some of the challenges you discovered and what pieces did you feel needed to be put in place to ensure services were available for you?
0: When I started in the position, first all, I was just extraordinarily grateful for Mayor Sylvester Turner uh, providing me with an opportunity to continue to serve in the education space and place in such a a new environment, the city of Houston, right? And so a lot of folks were like, Juliet, what are you going to be doing at the city? You're not on the school board. You know, the mayor didn't want to take over the school districts. And, you know, what in the world does the city have to do with education? And so I told folks, we had opportunities in different spaces and places. And I said, I don't want you to think of education strictly as what is in the K through 12 system. I want you to think of education as lifelong learning. And so the... City of Houston supports that in so many different ways. One, we have the Houston Public Library System, which has a, um, an amazing uh, catalog of different opportunities uh, for the community. Of course, there's books and uh, CDs and things, a of music and this, and that, but they also have like now a lot of online resources that are available as well. The Parks and Recreation Department, of course, collaborates with the Harris County Department of Education and Case for Kids uh, for the, uh, the after school, out of school programmatic activities. And then the mayor allowed me to have the opportunity to send an email to all of the departments in the city of Houston to say, what programs do you have that are designed for young people? So I ended up getting this catalog of everything from the police department's explorers program to the municipal courts uh, youth justice program, where young people from high school serve as advocates and lawyers on behalf of other students that are in the system. And um, also the Houston airport system had an internship program and things along those lines. And so we realized that there really was a rich network that existed, but it was disconnected and siloed. So he said, let's get the groups to start sitting down at the table together and figuring out how we can start promoting the program, finding out ways of increasing funding, getting other partners to be a part of this network and building a stronger system by connecting the dots. So after being at the mayor's office and starting to do this mapping type of work, I told folks our office's responsibility is going to be to assist with collaboration communication and coordination and also the mayor asked for me to assist with um, developing his higher Houston youth program so we could get more year-round employment opportunities for young people in the city of Houston and we also started to meet with the 17 school districts in the city of houston we started to meet with the presidents and chancellors of institutions of higher learning and we started to talk about how can we be strategic in meeting and knowing what we're doing so that way education and learning can be a focus in terms of investments in terms of promotion but also in terms of making us a more resilient, sustainable city as well. And so when we started having those meetings, everybody was like, why are we meeting? And we sat down, we said, we're gonna start sharing telephone numbers. We're gonna get to know each other. And then Hurricane Harvey hit, right? And by that point, we were able to invite the superintendents to the emergency meetings that were happening at the city and the county. We were able to then be invited, I was invited to join the meetings that the Region 4 was having, as well as meetings with the TEA. We were able to share information, try to get resources out in a time of crisis. If we had not developed those relationships before, we would not have known who to call. And so moving forward during Hurricane Harvey, UNICEF reached out to us to provide additional support and assistance, and they, helped us design and develop a post-disaster intervention plan to support schools students their families um and saying how do you prioritize getting resources out to the the person's most in need and i tell folks it was like having a a graduate level course in post-disaster response and from that dr nabaki safi who was from unicef said Juliet, you know, your city, they got a lot of communication. They got a lot of collaboration, but I don't see a lot of coordination that you want. And so that made me stop and think, how are we going to be much more effective in coordinating the various dynamic resources that we do have in this community to be more responsive to what's happening to our neighborhoods and and people that are experiencing everything that's happening during a, and after a storm and beyond, right? And so they also introduced me to the United Nations Rights of Children. It's an international document, which has been signed by every single country in the world, but for the United States, that sets forth basic rights. We know about the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, you know, the freedom of speech, and things along those lines, but children are not often discussed when it comes to their rights, what they should be, what what is a common language that all of us can agree upon in serving as advocates for children and young people. And so those lessons are uh, were powerful lessons that I'm extraordinarily grateful to have experienced. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, thank God I had that experience from Harvey. And we started prioritizing all right now that we uh something that hasn't happened in um, decades right since the 19, 19 1910s or so what are we going to do to prioritize the needs of children and so we became laser focused on you know saying okay we've got to focus on mental health we have to focus on trying to get the computers and technology and hardware we've got to focus on food and nutrition and it was like and so those different types of things and the experiences of the past allowed us to try to uh, develop a, a responsiveness, and now we work on on trying to see what we can do to help with resiliency and sustainability, um, given the lessons that we've learned from the past too. So,
1: awesome. Well, I, I previously interviewed uh, Laura Quayar. Uh, oh yes, with, with the yes, UNICEF. David yeah. Ludovice. <laughs> yes,
0: I I love Laura. She's amazing.
1: So it's neat to hear the history of how that came about. Because I was kind of curious, you stated earlier, a lot of it is countries, but in this case, we're talking about a city and a state. So it's a lot different than, you know, the United States creating the rights of kids. So it's really exciting to hear that the city of Houston and the surrounding areas are are looking at the needs and the rights of of kids because that's very important. Now you currently serve as the director of human services, leading the Gulf Coast Workforce Solution, and the Houston-Galveston Area Agency on Aging and Aging and Disability Resource Center programs, which is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Two
0: business cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a mouthful to say. So, uh, what is your vision for your new role?
0: So the new role, um you know, I work for a uh, it's called a, a Council of Governments, right, and so. The Houston Galveston Area Council has within its jurisdiction 13 counties. So we cover 13 counties, 7.8 million people, <laughs> and we are the largest workforce board in the state of Texas, the fourth largest in the country. And so hgac is it serves as a a government a quasi-governmental entity to help facilitate intergovernmental cooperation and help facilitate the distribution of state and federal dollars for various projects i'm the director of human services and initially i was like human services so my my mom was like you're going to human resources i was like no mama i provide services for the humans (laughs) so i i said that's my way of being able to explain that to folks and so And then the services that I provide for people is, you know, one is that I work for the Gulf Coast Workforce Board and the Gulf Coast Workforce Board, its operating affiliate is Workforce Solutions. So if you are in the community and you're driving around, there are 28 um, Workforce Solutions offices in this 13 county region. Um, We've got also 10 part-time offices that we open in affiliation with other governmental entities, for instance, at libraries and and institutions such as that throughout the area. And we provide information for individuals that are interested in in upskilling, who are interested in receiving a a subsidy for child care um, for their children. Um, We also have, uh, we work with employers to help them connect to people looking for jobs, and we help Folks that are looking for work connect to employers that are looking for jobs. And in the interim, we provide counseling and assistance and support for individuals uh, who are interested in in finding another career or or finding one that's going to be able to offer them more money. And so we have a rich connection with I think there's 10 plus community colleges that exist in this space. Um, We also work with school districts to be able to provide grants and other opportunities uh, to share information about career exploration and development. And we are the convener of uh, from cradle through career in our local area and serve as a as a facilitator of connection for our community to be able to um, have that lifelong learning that I always dreamed would be something that we can continue to to promote and empower people with.
1: Now, with all of your accomplishments and being a role model for probably more people than, than you know, what advice would you give anyone wanting to be involved in community service uh, projects in their community? So
0: one, if you want, if you have the desire to be involved in your community, first, I want to say thank you. And um, it is, uh, it's wonderful to have that desire and passion to be serve. Um, Servant leadership is something that is so needed. Um, Having people that are laser focused, not on, you know, things that uh, may not be positive for the community, but for someone that deeply cares about their siblings, their family, their neighbors, their, you know, just people that they know and they don't know. So for folks that are interested in in public service, I would say if you're a young person and you're um, still in the K through 12 system, Uh, Get involved in the organizations that exist on campus. If you do not have an organization that you necessarily like on campus, talk to your teachers and to the folks on your campus about some other opportunities that might exist in the community. Um, There are so many out of school, after school, opportunities that you may uh, be able to connect to at a young age that will be able to open up the world to you. When I was uh, attending the High School for Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice, we had a very active relationship with uh, the YMCA. Um, Buck was involved in the Texas Youth and Government program. We were also involved in a lot of the YMCA's international programs. The international programs gave me an opportunity to travel to Mexico and to Japan for free. Uh, the YMCA Youth and Government allowed me to go to Austin, uh, to Washington, D.C. I mean, and you know, these opportunities would not have come but for the wonderful teachers that connected me to these opportunities. For those that are, Interested also in government, the city of Houston has a, a youth ambassadors type program. They've got an internship for folks with a model uh, council type experience. I would also say that you know it'd be great to do a, a, a paid job experience, an internship. Um, get yourself out there, take some risks, meet some new people, ask questions. Don't be afraid of asking questions. Find a mentor and a role model. Um, you can start so young and early and in influencing the development of, of politics and policy in your neighborhood just by engaging and signing up. Um, your voice is extraordinarily important. We need you to be at the table. Um, don't be don't think that it is not for you. Uh, the world would be a much better place if youth are involved and um, it starts, as early
1: as you'd like for it to start. Awesome, well, thank you. Uh, Before we go, are there any final comments you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I forgot to say that as part of the uh, being director of human services, I also provide uh, leadership for our services for elderly um, and aging persons as well. And we provide um, transportation, meals, durable medical equipment and goods and things along those lines. And so I tell folks, it's like in our department, we really span from, from babies to our seniors. We cover all the, the, the beautiful Path of life, right? And so, and, but I think interspersed throughout is the opportunity for lifelong learning. And so, the what I would like to say is, you can never be too selfish when it comes to your education, when it comes to your learning, and when it comes to your experience. What you could lose everything, including the shirt off your back, but you'll never lose what you have learned. And so every time you pick up a book, every time you have an opportunity to to listen and to absorb what is around you, you have an opportunity to further cultivate and develop who you are as an individual. And so when it comes to your own knowledge, learning, training, and experience, please be selfish.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julia, thanks again for joining me today on the Making After School Cool podcast and sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience and uh, I also want to thank you so much for the great work you've done in our community. Oh, you're so kind, Michael. Thank you so much. school, cool. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today where a topic highlighted the positive influence model Monica have on youth and features my conversation with Julia Stapech. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore relevant issues for the out of school time field.